Well, good morning, Dorisville. It's good to be with you this morning. It was about ten and a half years ago, ten years and some months, that I uh, came to preach for you in view of a call. If I remember right, it was toward the end of June. I know our first Sunday here was about the second Sunday in July. And I, I, I got a homework assignment for you. I know some of you guys keep track of what preachers do. <laughs> this is a Baptist church. But anyway, um, if you could tell me what I preached on that day, what scripture, if you've got that written down somewhere, I appreciate that. I don't remember really what I preached about, but I remember something I said that day that really resonated with the church family, and that was this. I said, just south of our building, of course, talking about that building at that time, south of that building, there's a group of housing projects there. And I said, you know, I feel like God is calling us to reach out to that, that group of people down there like never before. And I remember the people applauded that statement. And I didn't know it then, but at that time, God was shaping how our ministry would go up until the last 10 years. About, about three or four years into the ministry here, we were really out of space, and so we talked about building a new sanctuary. And some of you know the story, and some of you don't. So we got a, an architect, we, we you know, got the architect, we drew sanctuary plans, just a beautiful sanctuary. And he promised he wouldn't take us down a road that we couldn't pay for, and we couldn't afford the plans. I mean, he just was way off the charts, and he apologized and kept our money. And not that I'm still bitter or anything. Honest, I'm not. <laughs> you know, but, but anyway, and so then you know, we, we looked at some alternate plans, and nothing worked. I mean, doors were just closed in our face. Steel was going through the roof. And so we backed up. And then someone, not sure who it was on the committee, suggested we look at building a multi-purpose building. We brought that proposal to the church family, not unanimously, but just like a huge majority, yes, that's what we're going to do. And then um, five years later, five years later, um, four years later, we moved into this building. It's been five years since we started worshiping in here. And uh, we built this building. And I remember one of the biggest decisions we made, the hardest decision we made, was to move from that beautiful sanctuary to this building that, frankly, is not quite as beautiful. But we did it on the basis that we needed more space where anybody could come in and feel comfortable and worship in our building. And that was five years ago. Uh, right before that happened, about five and a half years ago, um, people kept saying, what's the vision for the church? What's the vision for the church? And, and I didn't really have it nailed down exactly what it was. And I was like four years into my pastorate here. And, and coming back from, I think it was Thanksgiving family reunion, I'm sitting in the passenger seat and Judy is driving. And God just began speaking to my heart. And we wrote down some things. But the one thing we wrote down is what we have as our motto for this church. And that's one people, one faith, and one heart. One people, that is a, a body of believers, the common denominator being the Lord Jesus Christ. We had our, our, our You Are Here class this morning. Those who are new members, think about being a member, just started coming to our church, want to know more about our church. And we had folks from different age groups and different parts of the country, different religious backgrounds, all of that. But the one common denominator that brought us together is Jesus Christ. And the concept of that one people is that. We will never agree on everything, but we agree on this. That Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And he is God's plan for getting us into relationship uh, with him. That whosoever will may come. And that, and that by grace we are saved through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. One people, one faith. And I told the class this morning that, of course, you'd expect a pastor to say this, but never before have I been more passionate about the Word of God. I am so convinced in these days we're living in that, that we need to be a people of the Word of God. And really, I think the translation doesn't matter. What matters is an accurate translation, but what matters is that we are a people who believe, ingest, and practice the Word of God. One faith. 
But then that word, two words, one heart. One heart. I remember explaining to you guys that that one heart was the heart of God. That God was calling our church to be a church, a body of believers, that would reach out to people in our area, this area called Dorsville and Harrisburg and Sling County, in a way that we could reach out and touch people's lives in a tangible way to earn the privilege of sharing Jesus Christ in a spiritual way. And so we saw mass transformations. I remember our sign-up day was all about us. It was inward-focused in that it was a big meal for us, and we could sign up for the ministries that our church provided for us. And then slowly we saw that metamorph into what we now call the back-to-school community outreach, where we're over... Over 400-something kids got school supplies and shoes last week. And over 1,000 people came through our building. Um, All-Star, Judgment House, various ministries that we have that reach out to the community, our blessing baskets at, at Christmas. And I really believe that's what God's called us to be. Not to be a church that inward focuses, but a church that focuses outward. And we see some tremendous things happen at the Dorsville Baptist Church. And, and I want to make it clear, to God be the glory great things he has done. Would you say amen to that? I want to share something with you because I think this is so significant. And, and don't be afraid to applaud at this because what I just said, we know it's God. We know it's God. But if you get the Illinois Baptist, the, the um, rankings for offerings, uh, missions offerings for the state and for the national causes came out. Now, I want you to keep in mind that there's a lot of big churches in Illinois, a lot bigger than us. And we are a church located in a small Illinois, southern Illinois town off the beaten path, and here's what happened this past year. In cooperative program offerings, and cooperative program offerings is we give 10.5% of every budget dollar that comes into our church, and we send it on to the state and national causes, okay? And this, this is the highest ranking we've ever had. So this gives an idea of how much our general offerings were this last year, which we finished well above budget last year. We ranked 12th in the state in cooperative program gifts last year. Usually we rank around 19 or 20. So that's just an indicator of how obedient you were in giving to the Lord's work last year. Um, the state missions offering. Um, we were ranked fourth in the state. Now keep in mind, we're a small church, comparatively speaking, to so many in the state. And for Annie Armstrong, that's our Easter offering where we give for home missions. Third in the state. And Lottie Moon, and both all of these are by a few hundred dollars of being one up more. Lottie Moon, our, our, our international missions offering, third in the state. And I think we need to applaud God on that and say thank you, God, for using us. Um, because Jesus said, Jesus said that, that where a man's heart is, that's where his treasure will be also. See? So when, if you want to look what we treasure, that's an indication of what our heart is. So all this has happened over 10 years. And then, you know, a good teacher knows something. Every once in a while, we need to go back and look and go back and reflect and reteach the truths. Because here's a truth I know. It's natural in the church. The natural bent of a church, if we're not careful, is instead of focusing outward, do you, the song that David chose, it's all about you, Jesus. Those are great, powerful words. But the natural tendency of a church is to in-focus, to employ, employed and make it like about us, to make it about us for and no more, to make it about what can you do for my family, what can you do for my children, what can you do for, for my life, what can you do for my situation. And we focus on ourselves. That's the natural tendency. Every pastor that knows this, that knows this stuff will tell you exactly that. We have a tendency to in-focus. And he doesn't want to show you is that Jesus, God, is the exact opposite. He 
forces us and wants us to look outward. So I figured after, after five or six years of really concentrating on this journey, it's time to go back and to revisit this, to go back and take a look. And so we came up with the idea of a series entitled Heart Matters. Heart Matters. Now, it's a play on words. First off, heart matters. The things in your heart really matter. Because like I say, Jesus said, whatever's in your heart, that's, 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 that's what you're going to see for your treasure. Your, your, your heart's going to follow the things you treasure in life. So the heart matters. But also it means this. Matters of the heart matter. Matters of the heart matter. And I promise you, never is that more true than when it comes to God. That God, the things that matter on God's heart are the things that passionately need to matter to us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, today I want to start this series, and it's called Heartbeat, Examining His Heart. Examining His Heart. What does the heart of God look like? What, you know, if I were to ask you today, well, what does the heart of God look like? And I get some good answers like love and all those different ones. And you'd be absolutely on target if you said that. But really, what's a good picture of the heart of God? And that's exactly what we have in today's scriptures. So now can I get a little groundwork for, for, for the sermon? You know, Jesus several times, we're going to do a series one day on the great I am's of Jesus. I am the living water. I am the bread of life. But one of the things we love about Jesus is when he said, I am the great shepherd. I'm the great shepherd. Because, you know, shepherd, uh, sheep just naturally need a shepherd. I mean, I mean, sheep are just really, excuse me, sheep are really dumb. I mean, it's been said that a sheep, will, a sheep will starve to death if a shepherd does not lead them onto greener pastures. So sheep need shepherds. And we, we need a Savior. Amen? I mean, we need a Savior. We, we need someone who will lead us in this great realm of the spiritual world and relationship with our Father. And this is so cool. He's so cool. Because over in, and don't have to turn here. Let me just read it to you. In Luke 15, here's what Jesus said. He tells a parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And then when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Listen to this. I say to you, Jesus Christ speaking, I say to you that likewise there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who say or who need no repentance. Wow, is that awesome or what? Jesus says, and you've got to love this. Because if you know Jesus Christ, you're the one sheep. Amen? You're that one. You're the one that matters to Jesus. And he'd be willing to leave everything else and go after the one. And here's really cool. The Bible doesn't say that one sheep, if he was first class or second class. He didn't say if he had three legs or the mange. It was a sheep. And what mattered was the sheep was lost. And the great shepherd went after that sheep. Now that groundwork laid. Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 5. Verse 27 through 32. Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 32. And we're going to look at the heartbeat, the, the heart of God today. Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 32. I'll be using this morning the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Notice the first, it kind of fits in. Ba-ba-black sheep. 
The Bible says in verse 27, after this. Time out. Now, now we, we won't take a lot of time, but we just can't go over that. After this. It's important you know, because Luke said, now something happened before this. And what happened was this. Is that there was a guy. And this guy was crippled. Okay? And so he had some friends. Now, he must have been a nice guy because he had friends. He had, he had some friends who cared enough to take this guy who was on a blanket. They all grabbed a corner and they hauled this guy, going to take him to see Jesus. Because they know Jesus can heal him. They get there and there's such a crowd, they can't even get to Jesus. And this is a story, it's so cool, where they climb up on the roof, okay, with the guy. I imagine it was a pretty rough ride. They got him up on the roof, and they began tearing back the tile roof, making a hole in the roof. The trustees would not be happy about this. They lower this guy in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now you're, can you imagine these ropes coming down? And this crippled guy just lands in front of Jesus. And everybody's going, whoa, wow, this is big. Because they're expecting something like a major healing. You know what Jesus said to the guy? See, Jesus always says what you don't think. He says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Jesus, you don't get it. See, they lowered him down to the roof because he can't walk. And see, Jesus knew the man's need, his greatest need, was not that his legs weren't working. His heart was dead. He needed his sins forgiven. So there are the scribes and the Pharisees, and we'll talk about them in just a moment. And they're all murmuring, you know, you know, what are they doing with this guy? You know, who's this guy think he is that he can forgive sins? Uh, no one can forgive sins but God. And don't ever think anything in front of Jesus because he knows what you're thinking. So, so he goes, hey, guys, cool it, man. He did, wait a minute. What is easier? What is easier? For me to say, you know, take up your bed, rise and walk, or your sins be forgiven you. But that you may know. That the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. He looks down at the guy and says, take up your bed and walk. And the dude gets up and walks. Rolls up that mat and strolls out of the room. The Pharisees and scribes are like this. All the people are going, wow, that's what we came to see. That is like totally awesome. That's after this. And all of us would say, you know, that dude deserved it. You know, he was a good sheep. He was one of the white sheep. He was the good sheep. Poor guy was born crippled, probably never walked. He deserved healing. I'm glad Jesus found that one. Yay, Jesus. But after this, the Bible says Jesus goes out, went out, and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. He goes out and he finds another sheep. This sheep is not white. This is a black sheep. Now he goes out. He catches this sheep in the act of what he does. He's at the tax table collecting taxes. You've got to understand. I tried to think. Can you just help me today and think of the most despicable person that you can imagine? Can you think of a politician who just really blew his promises? Can you think of a pastor who preached one thing and blatantly did another and then was found out? Can you think of someone who did some hideous crime in the news? That's how despised a tax collector was. 
He was pond scum. I mean, there was the Pharisees and scribes. There was the regular sinners. There was the prostitutes. And at the bottom of that was the tax collectors. And here's why. Of course, this area was under Roman rule. And and built into the, the term tax collector in the Greek is I bought. I bought. And what it's implying and saying is, is that Matthew, Levi, same guy, by the way, Matthew, Levi, same guy, went to the Roman government and said, I'd like to be a tax collector. They said, if you'll pay us this much money, then you can be a tax collector. So he got the contract for his area to be a tax collector. Now, what that gave him freedom to do was to charge as much taxes as he wanted. There were no records. There was no tax bills. There was no assessor. There was none of that. He would simply walk up to Judy and say, Judy, I take a look at your property here, and you owe me $1,400. Now, it may have been the Roman government said only $400. But to offset the cost of buying the tax fee, plus to line his pockets, he would say $1,400, and no one could argue with him. I mean, this guy was pawn scum. This guy was the bottom of the barrel. He was a black sheep. Get it in your mind. You've got to get this. And here's what the Bible says. One day, Jesus went out. He saw a tax collector named Levi, really also named Matthew, dual name, sitting at the tax office. He wasn't looking for a way out. He wasn't looking for Jesus. He had expressed no interest in God's stuff. He was just sitting there doing his tax thing. Then the Bible says, And he, capital H, Jesus said to him, You are a disgrace and a traitor to your people. He didn't say that. He said to him, you are a liar and a thief. Hmm. Didn't say that either. He said to him, if you will clean up your act and stop what you're doing, then maybe, just maybe, somewhere down the road, we can find room in the kingdom for you. Did he say any of those things? Does that not strike you as incredible? Isn't that just crazy? No. What he walked to this tax collector who was caught in the acts of tax collecting, who was not looking for a change in life, who was not out saying, boy, I'm ready for a change. I know I'm a bad guy. And Jesus said, follow me. And the Greek carries the idea. No, it carries the meaning. Uh, this is not like, okay, I'll follow you for a while and quit. It was Commitment. I am calling you to follow me as a disciple. I am calling you to follow me, to leave what you have and to follow me. Would you like to know what the disciples said? Now, this is one of those times, I'll be honest with you, I don't have a clue what they said. But if you were there, what would you say? Now, they've all just signed up recently. It wasn't just a couple chapters ago that Peter and the guys got on board. What do you think they said? Jesus, this is not good for the group. This is not good for the organization. Jesus, have you been out in the sun too long? Do you understand? Let me read my lips. (laughs) No new taxes. No. (laughs) Read my lips. Tax collector. Pond scum. Thief. 
Liar. Disgrace. Traitor. You don't want him in our group. That's probably what they said. Jesus looked and said, follow me. And you know what the tax collector did? Watch this. Verse 28. So leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow him. Leaving everything behind, he got up and followed him. Leaving everything behind. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Wah, wah, wah. The good. This man was rich. He had money. He had wealth. He had security. And he left that all behind. The bad. The treachery. The lying. The traitor. The selling out. He left that behind. The ugly. Do you understand what I'm trying to get across about this guy? He had no friends besides other tax collectors. No one wanted anyone to do with him. I mean, they were all, and, and they, they weren't even, they weren't even, they were just blatant about it. They'd walk by and go, traitor, liar, thief. They hated him. Ugly. He got up and said, I'm done with the character that caused that. And he left it behind. Kind of. Because I think the boys were new at this. And when Jesus started walking off, my interpretation, I bet there was Jesus, there was Matthew, and there were 12 guys right back here. Because they saw him as a thief. As a traitor, as a liar, all those things. Wow. It's huge that Matthew, that Levi, was willing to follow Jesus. Leave it all behind. Follow me. I do know this. There's something you need to hear very clearly today. Because some of us have been saved way too long. As time passes, our wool gets lighter. As time passes, our wool gets lighter. As we walk with Jesus along the path, that black wool we had the day when we realized that we had sinned against holy God and there was not one good thing in us that we were totally depraved and without Jesus Christ we were going to split hell wide open. That black wool fades to gray. And then it turns kind of a dingy white. And then it turns white. And I'll remind you today as I remind myself that the day I met Jesus Christ as Savior I was one Black sheep. And the day you met Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you were one 
black sheep. You are on your way to hell. You are totally depraved. You had nothing to bring to the table that would earn your salvation. You needed a Savior and you met Jesus Christ. How incredible is that? If you're here today without Jesus, that's the good news for you. If you're here today and you say, I am desperate, Dwayne. I'm needing something. You don't need Dorisville Baptist Church. You don't need your religion. You don't need the Baptist faith. You need a Savior and His name is Jesus Christ and He's in the saving business. He's in a saving business. And here's what he says to you. Follow me. Dwayne, what about all the garbage? Leave that to him. Follow me. Follow me. And brothers and sisters, when that sounds confronted to you, what do you mean? What do you mean? They don't they have to stop this and quit that. Just remember how Jesus found you and what he told you to do. Follow him do the changing. Somehow we got confused that, that we had to change on the outside before God can change us on the inside. No, friend. He changes the inside. And then the outside changes as a result of that. So what's Levi going to do? Throw a party down. Let's party. Look what the Bible says. Verse 29. Then, immediately following... Then Levi hosted a grand banquet for him at his house. Now the disciples are totally freaking out. Not only is he a part of our group, we're going to his house. I mean, this is not a popular decision with the Jews, with the scribes, and with the Pharisees. A grand banquet. Did not skip on anything. Man, spent the bucks, the best food, a big party. Was Levi crippled? Now, don't dig too much into it. Was he? No, he got up and walked. It wasn't like he was the guy on the rug, the good sheep guy. It wasn't like he's the guy on the rug and Jesus said, take up your mat and walk. And all of a sudden you receive strength in your legs. Wow, you would throw a party. Was Levi blind? Was he sitting there? Alms, pay your taxes, alms. And Jesus said, let your eyes be open. No. Why the party? Why did Levi feel so compelled to throw a party for Jesus? Because Levi got it. The one thing he needed more than anything was forgiveness of his sins. He needed to come back in relationship with God. He needed God to do something that he could not do himself. And Jesus did that. And he said, we got a party because of that. Church, I'm telling you, you want a reason to celebrate every Sunday? You want a reason to gather together and just celebrate the goodness of God? It's because I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was a black sheep, but now by the grace of God, my wool, it is white as snow. That's why we can celebrate. That's why we can celebrate. This is the heart of God. This is so cool. I casually mentioned something earlier. Levi had no friends but other tax collectors. So who do you think he invited to the party? Then Levi hosted a grand banquet for him at his house. Now there was a large crowd of tax collectors. Say tax collectors. This black sheep 
Invite a whole bunch more other black sheep. And others. Don't know who the others were? I would imagine they're not your temple elite. Probably a few prostitutes thrown into the mix. A few other people with moral immoral problems thrown into the mix. Probably people that wouldn't be accepted into the temple. Probably these were the others. We know the test. That's why. Why? Well, one, he was telling Jesus, thank you. You have given me something that you're giving me something that money can't buy. You're giving me something that I can't go down to the car lot and purchase. You're giving me something that I can't go to Dillard's and purchase. I can't go to a certain part of town and buy a house and get this. You are giving me eternal life. You're giving me forgiveness. You're giving me acceptance. You are appeasing the wrath of God on my behalf. You have to say thanks. You know why else did he get a party? He wanted to invite some other black sheep to meet the one who made him white. He, he, he wanted some other black sheep to meet the wool changer. He wanted them to experience spiritual Clorox. Come on now. Come on, it's okay. Spiritual Clorox. He wanted others like him to become now like him. So he invited his friends. He said, dude, I, you, you know me, I, I, I had this contract with the Roman government. I had money, kind of eyeballs, man, I was rich. But I'm telling you, this man did something for me. Come meet him. Hey, you get a free dinner. Come meet him. And then the others, hey, I don't know what your problem is, but hey, I met someone who can give you something you can't buy. That money and power and influence can't get you. Come meet him. That's why there was a party. Did you notice what God calls us to do? See, we, we meet this great shepherd who finds lost black sheep and through an amazing thing called forgiveness and sanctification and, and, and forgiveness coming in there and washes away and appeases God's wrath and makes it possible for us to come into relationship with God. This great shepherd does that. Here's what he says. And I want you, I want you individually, those former black sheep, I want you to go find some black sheep. I want you to introduce them to me. And, and later on in Acts, when we have a, we learn this word, ecclesia, when you have a called out group, a following, a movement, tell that ecclesia that their mission is to find black sheep and through the blood of Jesus Christ turn into white sheep. Not to form a club. Not, not to focus on ourselves. The whole gig, the whole deal is find black sheep, introduce them to me so they can be white sheep. And that is why the church exists. That is why we, not just Dorisville, First Baptist Church, First Church of God, a Presbyterian Church, the Methodist Church, the non-denominational churches. If they're doing what God's called them to do, they exist. If they're the true church, they exist. To find black sheep, introduce them to the great shepherd, 
that they might become white sheep. How cool is that? See, in our, in our society, each one of you holds special places in society. We have some doctors in our congregation. And they have access to other doctors that you and me don't have. So, so, so they get to talk to doctor sheeps and nurse sheeps and technician sheeps. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's, I don't have that door. The doctor I know examines me. I, I'm not friends with the doctors. Some, some of y'all lawyers. So you know lawyer sheep. And I bet some of them lawyer sheep need Jesus. And he says, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a cold day when the lawyers have their hands in their own pockets. <laughs> don't tell your daddy I said that. He's in Florida. He finds lawyer sheep. And he has access to lawyers that I don't have access to and you don't have access to. Some of y'all are teachers today. And y'all can find teacher sheep. You have relationships with teachers. And you can share Jesus in teacher relationships. Some of y'all are coal miners. And there's coal miner sheep. Some of y'all are retired. There's even retired sheep. And a lot of them need Jesus. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I really thought about this, what I was going to say, because I don't have access to doctors. I don't have access to teachers. I don't have access to, to coal miners. None of them people. Well, Dwayne, who's your sheep? Not just y'all. Who's my black sheep? You know who comes to my door? Hurting people. Those are my sheep. I may not have relationships or golf buddies and all those different things, but people come to my building. They come to my door and say, my, my marriage is falling apart. I've got addictive behaviors. I've got this. I've got that. And I've got to recognize every opportunity as an opportunity to make sure that if they're not white, they need to be white. Come on, amen? See, each one of us, each one of us has responsibilities to bring black sheep, to be the great shepherd, so they become white sheep. And each one of us has special opportunities to do that. Seize that opportunity. Work within the realm that God has given you. And that also, by the way, largely be sometimes in your comfort zone. Comfort zone. Matt, where's Matt? Matt, I, you know, I got that wonderful droid phone that beats the iPhone to death, you know. And, and I saw this application. And it's kind of like what you've got that tells all the drugs and stuff, you know, and the interactions. It's from WebMD and it was free. So I downloaded that thing. I said, man, I'll be like a doctor. I didn't know any of the words. I mean, they all had 17 letters. I, I'm going to delete off the... I just, I just I don't know all the big words. I mean, not talking about Nesson. They're saying... I'm going, See, I can't... I'm not saying I can't witness to a doctor, but, but Matt knows that lingo, and Laura knows that lingo. Some of you nurses know that lingo. You operate in that realm. Black sheep, meet the great shepherd, turn into white sheep. Now, now... If this is a movie, if it was a play, the lights would dim. And the music would become intense. Here's what happens. Verse number 30. But the Pharisees 
and their scribes. Pharisees and scribes. Um, um, they are like the rule keepers. They are like the massive rule. They are the, I mean, they walk on water up here to most Jews. I mean, they are up here. They know the law. They keep the law. They practice the law. I mean, they are the law. And they're not the temple police, but they're the rule police. They keep their eye out for people who break the rules. That's why in the story before this, the Luke chapter 15 scripture, they were after Jesus for breaking the rules. So the scribes and the Pharisees were complaining. They were grumbling to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? You have no... Listen, any good Jew knows you don't hang around with tax collectors and with sinners. Any, any bad Jew knows you don't hang around tax collectors and sinners. Why are you hanging around tax collectors and sinners? Again, I don't know what the disciples said. They may have said, we're with him. Uh, we were wondering the same thing because we want you to know we didn't want him in the group either. How is that? But it was really cool. Jesus knew it safe. He said, let me take that one for you. Let me answer that question for you. Here's what he said. You see, Jesus said in verse 31, the healthy don't need a doctor. But the sick do. Even back in this, this age, they knew you go see a doctor because you're sick. You don't go to a doctor because you just want to say hi. There's cheaper ways to spend money. You go to a doctor because you need his services. But Jesus said this. I have not come. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let me clarify that for you. I have not come to call those who think they're righteous, but sinners to repentance. You want to know what the heart of God is? He has come to call sinners to repentance. You know what the heart of God is? The heart of God is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the heart of God. God and Jesus are in the saving business. They're in the forgiving business. And I'm telling you, their business needs to be our business. Would you say amen to that? Guys, I'm telling you, listen, we have got to stay focused on this. Because, again, our natural tendency is to lose that. Can I share something with you? I don't want to share this, and it may cost me my job. I don't know. Don't let this get your attention. We've not baptized anybody in months. We're experiencing record offerings. I believe we're preaching the Word of God. David's leading the power. But we're not winning people. I'm not winning people. It's probably more. That's what we're about. And I hope you'll join with me in prayer because I promise you every day I pray about this. God, what are we doing that we're, or what should we be doing that we're not doing that we may see people saved? 
Because that is what we are about. That's what Dorisville Baptist Church is about. He goes on and says, let me read again verse 32. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners, those who recognize their need to repentance. You know, it's really cool. Remember the Christmas study? You know, Christmas? In Genesis. In Genesis, God created man to have fellowship with him. He created man to have fellowship with him. In Genesis chapter 3, that fellowship was broken when Adam and Eve both chose to sin. Okay? Okay? And then God did an incredible thing. Remember, he made a promise that one day, one will come who will pay the price for that sin. That once again, men could be in fellowship and relationship with Holy God. Do y'all remember that? From Genesis to Revelation, the whole Bible is the message that I've come to seek and save that which is lost. The whole Bible is to bring back into fellowship those who recognize they have sinned against holy God. Look at that. Look, I'm going to read it to you. Listen to this. Way back. We're almost to the end of the Bible. Here's what it says. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. From Genesis to Revelation, whoever will. Let him come. And you can go from being a black sheep. You can meet the great shepherd. And your sins can be forgiven. And so many of you have experienced that. Do you remember that day? You remember that day? Remember how clean you felt? Remember how you had this great burden and you got up and it's gone? Isn't that incredible? That's what God, that's how God wants us to live day in and day out and day. Just remembering that I once was black and now I'm white. I once was a black sheep and now I'm a white sheep. And it's all because of Jesus. I didn't earn it. I couldn't do it. I wasn't worthy of it. It was just the wonderful, incredible grace of God. That's the heart of God. And Jesus says individually, we're to find them black sheep and meet the shepherd and help them be white sheep. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. And as a church, that's what he's called us to do. That's the heart of God. Would you bow your heads right there, please? I want to thank you for listening today. I really do. I mean that. I hope this has stirred your heart. If nothing else, I hope your mind flashed back when you were 7, 12, 21, 35, or 54. And you remember the day you were black sheep. And you met the great shepherd. And you became a white sheep. I hope you remember that day now. And that gives us cause to celebrate. 
If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, you've never made a commitment, he's walked up to your door and said, follow me, and you said, I don't think so. But today you hear him calling you again saying, follow me, and today you want to say yes. We want to give you the opportunity. You know, we've talked, there's much debate about, you know, prayers and not have prayers. I think it's great to pray a prayer because it signifies a commitment. In fact, I tell you what, we're going to take the time. I'm just going to, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. And could, there's no magic words, there's no magic prayer, but maybe something like this. We need to tell God that we know we sinned against Him. That He's holy and we're not. And that we believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins and resurrected on the third day. And we choose to make a commitment to Him. Not to get our marriage fixed. Not to get a job. But because He has forgiven us. And we want Him to be our new King. If you've never prayed something like that or never made that commitment before, would you pray quietly like there you are? You don't pray out loud, but you need to mean it with all your heart. I'll pray out loud and you can kind of follow me or make your own prayer. It doesn't matter. But I'm telling you there's a great shepherd today who wants to take you through the Clorox bleach of salvation and make you white. Pray with me. Dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned against God. I want to turn from that sin today. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sin. I believe you were buried. And on the third day you resurrected. Today, Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life. To be my boss. To be my king. To be my Lord. Today, I leave where I am. And I choose to follow you. And Jesus, I pray this in your name. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. Is there someone today that said, Dwayne, today I prayed that prayer for the first time. Today I made Jesus Christ my Lord, my King. Would you slip your hand up, please? Dwayne, today I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Anyone? I don't see any hands going up. So let me just turn the time of decision then to us as believers. Today, as we stand to our feet, would you be willing to celebrate what Jesus did for you? And would you be willing to take that celebration to the primary care clinic? Would you take that celebration to the classroom? Would you take it to the coal mine? Would you take it to your home? Would you take it, yes, to the pastor's office? And when someone comes up and the opportunity opens this door, you tell someone, I know someone who can take black wool and make it white wool. And he's the great shepherd. Thank you, dear Father, for the opportunity to share these words today and this great truth. In Jesus' name, I pray, stir our hearts, God. Cause us to want to celebrate what you have done for us. Help us to remember what we were before we met you so we can celebrate what we are now because of you. I pray, Father, that we will in the coming days, weeks, and months seize every opportunity we can to share the great news about the great shepherd. Father, we fight a battle. And that battle is for us to turn inward. We fight the battle to turn inward. Help us, Father, to fight that off. Help us, Father, to reach out in your name to those who need you. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.